0: This podcast was created to educate listeners on the experiences of diverse individuals. However, all opinions expressed by the host or guests do not reflect the overall standing of Tarleton Radio or Tarleton State University.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Making Space, the Diversity Dialogue, and I am your host, Cole. This is a bi-weekly podcast where together we'll have questions answered about socially sensitive topics while learning how to create lasting relationships with diverse people. In honor of Disability Awareness Month, this discussion we'll have is about service dogs, service dog laws, and how service dogs help mitigate disabilities for their handlers. I have two guests joining me today, Parker Clemens and Avery Smith. You guys can say hi if you'd like. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> they both have service dogs themselves. Parker Clemens is currently studying animal science and has a new dog training business. Congratulations on that. Thank you. <laughs> and Avery Smith is studying wildlife at Tarleton State University and has a service dog that also doubles as a bed bug sniffing dog. That's really interesting.
0: I want to train wildlife dogs in the future.
1: (laughs) That's very cool. We could have a separate thing about that. That would be really interesting. Uh, I think we're going to go ahead and start off with our vocabulary. Now the first big one is what exactly is a service dog?
0: I would say a service dog is a, well, I'm going to broaden this up a little and say a service animal is a task trained animal. To mitigate a single person's disability or disabilities. Yes. All right. Can yeah. we go over just what mitigate means? To help with. Yeah. To help to lessen the strain. Yeah. Really, to me, service animals are task-trained animals that just help disabled people live a more normal life, as normal as it can get. To right, to live
2: it to quote-unquote qualify for a service dog, your disability has to impede.
0: Upon daily activities. Yes,
2: and so your service dog helps aid in those activities. Right, like
0: going to the grocery store. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, what does handler mean? Because that that is something I already said in the beginning of this podcast, but not. and some people hear it, but not many people know what it means. What does that mean?
0: I would say the handler is whoever. So it can go two ways for me. It can either be for me, I am a handler because my service dog is mitigating my disabilities, but... Sometimes uh, the dogs mitigate people's disabilities who are too young to responsibly handle the dog themselves. So their parents will handle and control the dog. So really it's just whoever's controlling the dog and making sure that the dog is present, under control, and well behaved. Mm -hmm.
1: Thank you. We went over a little bit what a disability was, but we want to reiterate that. So it's just something that brings your standard of living down or something that... Impedes your ability to
2: do things. Yeah, I mean, it's... I want to go into, like, the breaking down of the actual word, disability. It lowers your ability to function as a, quote-unquote, functional human. human. Okay. I'm avoiding the word normal okay. because disabilities are normal.
1: Right, right. Yeah. And it, it's important to normalize that. Yes. Yes. Now, what is ADA? course
0: uh, a lot of people you've heard it ADA is
2: the Americans with Disabilities Act
0: and the part of the ADA that actually pertains to service animals
2: is title three
1: and what is a task?
2: It is the action that a service animal performs to mitigate the disability. Um,
0: Tasks specifically are typically trained Uh, however animals can have natural things that they do but we normally shape those and what I say by shape is let's say your dog has a natural alert to anxiety or something
2: blood sugar yeah
0: or or blood sugar just anything right like with diabetes um, alert exactly but let's say let's say your dog starts nuzzling you licking you uncontrollably what we would do to shape that is maybe make it a little more controlled maybe minus the licking but and pinpoint the nudging to a certain spot to make that a more reliable alert.
2: That way we know every time the dog does this action, the...
0: Yes. The impending the thing is about
1: to
2: happen. Yes. Yes.
0: And okay. so, but tasks are a trained action. Yes. And what is public access? Yeah. Going to Walmart, uh, going... Anywhere that people can go that you can't typically take your pet, so any kind of store, um, a lot of theme parks, movie theaters, restaurants.
2: But it's the part where somebody with a service dog, a disabled person with a service dog, is legally allowed to go in public, where they normally an animal wouldn't be allowed.
1: Yes. Okay, so basically any place that's not pet friendly. Yes.
2: As long as it's not, like, a kitchen or somewhere that it changes the function of the business.
0: Okay, like
1: pools.
2: Like, they can't go in pools. Yeah, they're not,
0: surface animals are not allowed in pools.
2: Yes, they can be around the edge of the pool and stay near you, but they cannot come in the water.
1: So, any private residence is up to the...
0: Any private residence
1: is up to the owner
0: of the property. Yes.
1: Alright, so now we're going to zoom into the history part of this podcast. So canine companions have been around for thousands of years. As you may already know, the modern dogs descended from crossbred domesticated wolves somewhere in Europe, although the exact location is highly speculated, but there have been research done, and it's, it's going to be in the Europe area. And why humans started domesticating wolves and breeding them helped set up our discussion. Not only were humans seeking compassion, they were also seeking uh, ways to assist them in their everyday lives. Yes. That be hunting, game retrieval, herding livestock.
2: Guarding, protection. protecting.
0: Right, right. Sending messages. Yeah.
1: And now the first service dogs related to disabilities were guide dogs for visually impaired individuals in Germany around 1750. Yes. And the first service dogs came to America in 1929-ish, and they were seeing eye dogs as well. I believe the name of that uh, program was the Seeing Eye. Mm -hmm. And the ADA's latest revision of the laws for service dogs came about in 2010, and I'll go ahead and link in the description that website and some frequently asked questions for you guys. Now modern day service dogs can assist with a large number of disabilities from mobility to psychiatric Um, and we're gonna go ahead and talk about that in the tough questions portion. Let's go ahead and just get started with that. Um, What is the difference between a service dog, a therapy dog, and an emotional support animal? Because Plenty of people try to interchange those words and they do actually have different meanings yeah. yes
2: do you want to start with therapy animal
0: yeah let's start with a therapy therapy animal so a therapy animal is a dog that has typically gone through a program some kind of training program to assist and bring joy to many people on different itemized trips so they may go to a hospital a nursing home a, a school. school during finals or something
1: yeah okay so like the there's a An advertisement going around of this dog in a hospital that's gonna be like a therapy dog yes yes okay and then uh, an emotional support animal
2: an emotional support animal is an animal that is for one person um, and the person is disabled but the dog is untrained yeah it does not or the animal Mm that does doesn't do it perform any task
0: and does not have public
2: access it just brings its presence brings comfort
0: yes and then a service animal, it, at least in the United States, yes. is a, a domesticated dog, so it can't be a wolf or a coyote mix, a domesticated dog breed, um, or a miniature pony that horse. is... Yeah, miniature horse yes. that is task trained to mitigate a single person's disability.
2: Sorry, the reason I made the distinction between pony and horse is I, because it... It has to be yes. a breed. It has to be a horse. Yes. Ponies are not allowed to be. They are two different things.
1: Yes. Sorry. Why do you think there is just dogs and just miniature horses?
2: Um, horses are the miniature horses are definitely for people who need a larger dog.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, typically, dog breeds don't. I mean dogs only get so big while also still maintaining a really desirable work drive, which is basically the desire to actually move around, do things, and work for you. Uh, also, miniature horses just live a, a really long time, and for people who can't handle having to have a new partner every seven, ten, years. Yeah, seven to ten years, a, a miniature horse would, would be a great option.
2: People like me and Avery, our dogs get five to seven years old, we have to retrain a new one. And somebody with a miniature horse can have a, um, their working span can be 25, 30 years. That's a long time. Yeah, so while we may have eight to 10 service dogs Mm -hmm. in our lifetime, people with miniature horses can get two, maybe two and a half if they end up needing the one later on
1: yeah okay all right so let's move on to the next question that was a good discussion i liked that um, what animals are allowed to be emotional support animals
0: emotional support animals can te- can technically be any species or breed um just keep in mind that these animals do not have public access rights um, because clearly if your emotional support animal is a goose uh, birds lack the ability to be potty trained physiologically. They cannot control it. Yes. So they're not allowed public access rights because they can spread disease. Rabies vaccinations do not work on them, and several other things.
1: Yes. So it's very important that cleanliness and hygiene is
2: active. Yes. Service animals are kept to extremely high standards of cleanliness.
1: Yes. Like, if you go in the mud or something before you go into a store, you're likely not going to go into a store.
2: No, yeah, you'd, you'd go home and you'd I mean, bathe I could, the dog.
0: I I could think of an exact example. Um, we went to a park one day and the park had a pond. The dogs got in the pond, got muddy. I wanted to go to a store, but I couldn't go into the store. So I actually made a quick run to the pet store to wash and bathe and groom and dry him so that I could go into the store. It seems like it takes a lot of work. Yeah,
2: yes. they're not. They they're are very not, large responsibilities.
0: They're and while while you can have a service dog in a sling or something for for some alerts and tasks, um, they're they're not a dog that you just keep in a purse to look pretty. Yeah, they are medical equipment. Yes. Let's
1: go. All right. Um, is it okay for people to pet service dogs, and why if they
2: can't? Um, in general. I'd say no. There are instances where a handler may allow you to. Yeah. But it's honestly best if you don't even ask to pet them. Yeah. Because the handler is probably asked that fifty times in one Walmart trip.
0: Um, there was there is actually a day that I kept tally. <laughs> oh, I was asked thirty seven times. Oh my gosh. And I think and I think I had only gone into three stores. So, you know, that's about 10 times I'm asked every outing.
2: You don't get to go in and just get milk and bread anymore. Yeah. Every time you go to a store, it takes so much more time.
0: Every time I go to a store, my thought process is, are his nails trimmed? Is he clean? Did he eat today? We have to go potty. We have to put our gear on. We have to make sure the gear is all good. We have to make sure he's not sick. We have to make sure I'm not too sick that day. There's a, there's a whole process. And then if I go to somewhere and the parking lot's full, I'm, too, I'm, I'm honestly too scared to go in there sometimes because I know I'm just going to be badgered again and again and again. Uh-huh. And then every time I go into the store and I hear people's keys jingling, I'm scared that it's somebody's un-pet, untrained pet that's going to attack my service dog. Mm-hmm. So I always have to reroute very quickly because there's a very real chance that it is somebody's untrained pet and it's happened before.
2: All in all, I would say no. Yeah. Um. Just, you can look. Yeah, we know our dogs. We, we know they're cute, um, but they're not there to be cute. They're not there for anybody else's entertainment. They're not there for our entertainment. Mm-hmm. We just need them to get through our day-to-day lives. Yes. The s- same as walking up. You wouldn't walk up and pet someone's wheelchair.
0: Yeah. If somebody pulls out their inhaler, you're not going to ask what its name is. Yeah. All right. Uh,
1: what about talking and uh, looking at service dogs? Is that okay?
0: I would say looking at a service animal is fine. Just remember it's rude to stare and never make eye contact with somebody's service animal.
2: Yes. Uh, it's
0: very distracting. And don't ever talk to the service animal. If you do have a question, I'd rather not be bothered about my service animal. But on the off chance if you just have to have an answer, ask me. Ask the handler. Not my dog. My dog cannot respond to you.
2: (laughs) Yes. Also, we need our animals focused on us. Yeah. Anytime you or the public talks to our dog, it takes their focus off of us.
0: And they could miss a life-saving alert.
2: Yes. And if you have a young dog or one that is still in training, there's that time you have to get them refocused. Mm Mm-hmm. And I mean,
0: even with our fully trained service yeah. animals now.
2: I mean, there's there's recovery time after every interaction.
0: Now, um,
1: a lot of people when they search up service dogs, the first couple things they see is talks about a registration. Now, is there a service dog registration, and is it mandatory?
0: In the U.S., there is not a mandatory uh, registration. In fact, in the U.S., if you're caught with a registration. a service animal and your dog is not a service animal, I know in several states it's actually
2: a punishable crime. It's the impersonation of a service animal Mm -hmm. Um, and there are safety risks there and a lot of other issues, but getting back to the websites, they are scams. The people who made them know they are scams.
0: They're specifically preying on those that are ignorant of the laws. Yes. To take your money.
2: So, as service dog handlers, when we if we ever see somebody with an ID card or saying that their dog is registered, we get our our walls go up a little bit because it you a lot of the time it is a untrained dog mm-hmm. and untrained dogs can lead to attacks but there are handlers who are new to the service dog world who fall for these it's really sad when disabled people
0: i mean i know even i my my dog was fully trained i mean i mean literally years of training um however there's not a very regulated system for this i mean as as much restriction and like Regulation as there is while still keeping this available and accessible to disabled people Um, It can be hard to get information sometimes and I know even I and my grandpa once my dog was fully trained Decided to get an online registration because every time I went somewhere they were asking for an ID and so even I a legitimately disabled person with a legitimately trained task trained service animal Thought I needed a registration, and then I got more involved in the community, and then I, I was able to realize that this is not a legitimate thing, and that this is actually a crime. Thankfully, I had a legitimate service dog, so I was using it technically in a correct way. But it is, it's still something that I recognize now is just better to not have because yeah. then you create further access issues for other service dog handlers.
2: Because since it's not, since there is no mandatory federal registration. If somebody with a real service dog goes in and shows an ID, the business then expects the next person to Mm -hmm. also have an ID.
1: When it's not required. Yes, Yes. and
2: so it can cause that team, who is in their absolute legal right, to be removed.
1: Mm -hmm. We talk about seeing eye dogs, and a lot of people assume that's going to be like a Labrador or a Golden Retriever, are there certain breeds,
0: only certain breeds, that can be service dogs, or can any breed be service dogs? Technically, any breed has the capability. However, only, I think it's 10 or 20 percent of dogs actually have the correct temperament and behavior to become a service dog. Yes. The only restrictions that come to breed is that it can't be a coyote or wolf mix. It has to be 100 percent
2: domesticated. Dog. Yes, and that's because uh, rabies vaccines haven't been proven to work on coyote mixes and wolf mixes. Exactly. Um, and
1: by temperament, you you guys just mean like the, they're not like barking at everything. And
0: um, some some dogs are just, I mean, just naturally aggressive. And sometimes it just comes down to genetics. And these dogs, while well, you can train them, it's just something that they're going to be prone to. Some dogs are always going to be, just have too much of a prey drive. Some some dogs are just never going to be okay with children. Some dogs are never going to be okay with loud noises. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's there's some things that are just bound by genetics as, as much as I hate to say it.
2: Yes. there There's a reason in the service dog community, which is basically just people who are disabled who are all online.
0: A ton and of disabled people that have gotten together online to, <laughs> yes. to have a better sense of community. Facebook groups.
2: Yes. That There is what's called the Fab Four of yes. service dogs, and it is your la- labs, like your chocolate labs, black labs, yellow labs, golden retrievers, s- poodles that can be standard or I mean, like any size poodle. Yeah. And rough or smooth collies, which are the same breed, different coat length Um, but they all the majority of those dogs in those breeds have the drive to work and the temperament to work. So they are known as the best choice, especially They're, for new they handlers. Ha- they have
0: very high success rates. Yes. Um there's just certain things that those breeds have that are that that just make them A a better choice for a lot of people.
2: Now, but also don't get me wrong, the two handlers in this room have two very off-the-wall breeds. I was about
0: to ask, what breeds are both your service dogs?
2: So, my my service dog, and I do not recommend this for anybody. Neither
0: of us (gasps) recommend our breed. They are unicorns and they work for us, but they may not work for other people. Okay,
1: the term unicorn is just thrown out. What does that (laughs) (laughs) mean?
0: Unicorn refers to a dog that is basically like one in a million. Yes. It's not it's not typical, it's not standard for that mix or breed
2: it to have the temperament to work.
0: Exactly. That dog is very unique in the outside in the fact statistics. That, exactly. Yes. It, okay. It's an outlier.
2: Um I have a Belgian Malinois uh, husky mutt thing. <laughs> he he's great for me. I would never recommend it for anybody else. Um, we have our couples' arguments on a very regular basis, um, but he's, he's pretty great. Uh,
0: my, my service dog is a Husky German Shepherd dog cross.
2: If you see the common theme, it's Husky.
0: Which what I don't recommend. <laughs> Huskies are also not recommended as service dogs. Yes.
2: There are people out there with great Husky service dogs. Yes, there not are. Not saying they don't exist. I'm saying that is not the breed most people would want to go to first. Yeah. It's just harder. Yes. It's much really harder. Hard. And when you're already a disabled individual...
0: It can be very difficult.
2: You don't... You usually don't want a dog that has a ton of energy. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll see the common theme in... Like
1: a Great Pyrenees or something.
2: Yeah. Or... Um, you you see a lot of the common theme in a lot of your Fab Four. They're dogs that, yes, they can get very excited, and they can work for hours on end, but they can also sleep all day.
0: Yeah, they're they're dogs with a very uh, drive-on-demand. So it's energy according to what you're wanting for that day, basically.
2: They're very versatile dogs, where a lot of the breeds that aren't as recommended were bred for a specific purpose that is not walking around or laying around all day they're,
0: they're definitely working breeds and by working i don't mean working as a as a surface dog i mean working like hard protection work very uh high intensive drive herding like livestock yeah livestock yeah. herding things like that
1: let's go with how service dogs are trained are they all from programs and stuff
0: um, in the U.S., we have the right to owner-train our dogs. Uh, service dogs and training don't always have public access rights, but service dogs don't have to come from a program in the United States. Yes. You can work with a program. You can work with an individual trainer. You can train the dog yourself. Uh, just keep in mind that there are standards in which your dog does have
2: to follow. Yes, the ADA which is, again, the Americans with Disability Act, has a list of standards that your dog has to meet to be considered a fully trained service dog. Yes. In the state of Texas, service dogs in training are allowed in public um, with their handler or their trainer.
0: Yes.
2: Um, and that, but they still have to be completely potty trained, um,
0: they still have to behave. Yes. And if they don't behave, if you don't make the effort to correct them and fix their behavior, they're allowed to be removed from
2: public. Yes. And so owner, owner-trained service dogs are not just pets that we have put vests on. No. And brought in public.
0: Um, program dogs are still very trained and still very well-behaved dogs. But I've actually noticed quite a few owner-handler trained dogs typically have um, better behavior because we typically stick with our dog's trainings, whereas program dogs typically come out of the program fully trained. They'll do really great. But a lot of the handlers that they're placed with are, unfortunately, you know, they are disabled, but they don't have the knowledge or experience to keep up with that training all the time.
2: This is just a theory. Yes. We also, as owner-trained service dog handlers, do not have a program's name backing us up. Yeah. So our dogs have to be at the top of their game all the time. Yes. Because we can't say, or we don't have vests that say uh, that canine dog, dog tem- for the blind, Yeah. Or, or canine-, canine Companions for Independence. Yeah. Um, it's our name on the line.
1: Now... Since you mentioned vests and we mentioned gear earlier, is it required for service dogs to be labeled as service dogs on vests or collars or leashes or whatever? No. Not in the United States.
2: No. Um.
1: So why do you? I see, I see plenty of service dogs
0: with vests um, and everything. So it really kind of varies for us. I know I have a couple of mobility tasks that require equipment that cannot be done without equipment. However, having something on my dog that labels him as a service dog, a task trained service dog, an assistance dog, however you want to say it, just not an emotional support animal. He is task trained. Mm-hmm. But um, it just makes access easier. It seems like anytime I try to go into some place with him without gear, it, I have a lot of access issues and they typically don't believe me that he's a service animal. And then I have to pull up my little pamphlet that has my rights listed in the ADA caught line. So it's just it's just one of those things that sometimes just makes things easier and gives a more professional look.
2: Also, and this is sort of almost goes against the professionalism. There are a lot of young handlers and even not young handlers that enjoy dressing up their dogs, like getting even huge- I do. Yes. I mean-
0: I dye my service dog's fur. So let's say because, your dog is pink um, <laughs> with safe, with safe yeah. dye. I want to mention yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's it's an animal-safe, plant-based dye. I use the same thing on me as I do him. We typically match. Right now, we're both pink. Uh, we were both. Blue. <laughs> it's, it's great to so. see. Um,
2: but we our, our dogs are allowed to be fun, and so, and gear can be fun, and yeah. so that that's that's a big part of it. Um, you can get different colors you can get bright colors
0: one of the ways I often explain it is if somebody can have a blue painted wheelchair with fun little things hanging off and stuff and or glow sticks on their wheelchair why can't I have a fun vest why can't I dye my my, my medical equipment spur to personalize him more to my my wants and things that just make me happy because he is yeah. with there with me every day and while he's not a fashion statement, <laughs> sorry about uh, that, guys. Um, sorry, that is the seemed dog seemed a little restless. <laughs> um, you know, it's just something it it makes it more pleasing to me to have yeah. medical equipment that not only helps me but also helps express who I am to the public.
2: Yes, but to to recap, no gear is not required or anything like that, but it is useful. It's helpful, mm-hmm. um, whether it be a mobility harness that you can hold on to so your dog can help you um, move around, or a guide harness uh, so that they, where guide dogs can help their owners navigate.
1: Now let's go back. We mentioned uh, public access a little bit before, and we mentioned kind of the struggle and some of the frustration, but a lot of people want to know why service dog handlers are so angry all the time. Um,
2: I promise you we're
0: not mean. It's a lot of times when I go out my day I don't start angry. Um, I'll start off so maybe sometimes people will ask me hey can I pet your dog And and I'll say no. I personally always say yes if it's a child that asks because i take that as a really good moment to educate the child on what a service dog is and that they're working and they're really important and to not bother them next time but that that's just me we don't typically start angry but there's only so many of those interactions that can happen before we just want to get our carton of eggs and then um, the majority of our interactions people do not ask our permission they just think oh cute puppy and run up and Grab or I've had somebody pick up my service dog. Um, thank gosh, my service dog is well trained and behaves correctly. Because if that was not a well trained dog, that dog could have attacked that person and bit their face off. But there's, <laughs> he is well trained. So. Yeah, but you know, there's there's only so many interactions we can go through before we just want to live our lives and get our chores done too.
2: Yeah, it's. Also, we we are disabled, Mm -hmm. we're usually, we're not feeling great, we're tired, we're hurting. Um, If it's psychiatric, you're dealing with paranoia, you're dealing with all of these different things that you have the service dog for. You don't want, it's exhausting dealing with all of that pain or whatever's going on and then also dealing with the public.
0: Yeah. Or there's also instances where people think you're faking it because you're not blind or because you're not in a wheelchair. There's there's just a lot of negative interactions sometimes. Yeah. Just, I know I was standing in the self-checkout of Walmart one time and there was a man behind me with his children and he was pointing at me. Now, I was having a relatively not great day. I mean, I could still walk so I was getting chores done but this man was pointing at me talking to his children in a pretty loud but like forced whisper saying that see people like that those people are the liars. They're they're the crazy people that go around and do some pretty I'm not going to say what it is because it could possibly be triggering to listeners. But it was a very heinous act and you know there's sometimes there's just things like that and things like that can't. I mean there's no way for it to not upset you or anger you. I'm sorry that happened. It's I mean, these things are just they're not always great interactions and sometimes there's so many there's only so many bad things you can take and handle before you're just
2: And so you when you have a veteran service dog handler mm-hmm. um, and by that I just mean somebody it's probably not their first dog or if it is yeah, they've been not military.
0: That, yeah. Yeah.
2: They've probably been working that dog for a while. You get a chip on your shoulder with the public. And honestly, it's probably something as a community of handlers we need to work on ourselves is not losing our tempers quickly. But it is exhausting. And I can't say that it wouldn't happen to anybody. Like, everybody would eventually snap.
1: Right, because you see someone coming up with a kid asking to pet and you just see someone who's going to say something wrong or hurt you or Or hurt your dog. Yeah. anything like
0: that yeah uh i've i've had people threaten to take my dog from me before i mean as he was tasking even I'm for just,
2: some reason you bring a dog in public
0: and people and, and people crazy.
2: say really weird things <laughs>
0: yeah i guess <laughs> and, that's what boils down to <laughs> yeah
2: it's like people almost forget how to function when they see a dog in a place they're not expecting one
1: right and, and it. It's fair, because they're cute, but they are also there to do a job. They're not just there yeah. to be fun, right? Yeah. Um, I know you guys have talked a little bit before, not on this podcast, but being scared of other pets or um, other emotional support animals in public. Why is that?
2: Um, I know, at least for me, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for every too, our dogs have been attacked multiple times. Yes. By these animals in public places and so it becomes to the point where if a dog is not behaving up to a, a stand the standard that the ada puts out it's terrifying because you don't know when it's going
0: even even well-behaved dogs i get terrified of yeah. in public if i don't personally know the handler and the dog
2: yeah um i mean and a lot of the times if it's a actual service dog handler you keep your space Mm -hmm. like if you see another Mm -hmm. handler you'll go a few aisles down and wait
0: it's a it's a very quiet understanding that we kind of just almost like a a social understanding between the community and
2: a lot of the times people who are bringing their pets in public or bringing their emotional support animals in public they, they try to come up to you with their dog
0: because they and they think oh Another person
2: with a dog because I'm um,
0: because you know they don't understand what it's really like to be disabled. And to I mean, while I love my service dog and my service dog has provided me with so much freedom and independence, they don't understand the real burden of having a
2: service dog, yeah. And also, they want our dogs to be friends, and like our dogs can't play while they're working,
0: yeah. Again, and they could miss a life saving
2: alert, also. For most dogs, and at least mine, and I'll, I'll admit this, dogs are a major distraction. Yes. It, they're, they're one that takes a long time for a dog to recover from.
0: The recovery time is very high when they see another dog.
2: It, especially if they've ever been attacked or charged in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes, you you have to work through their fear so they can't take care of you in that instance.
0: I, I know for myself, uh, my service dog has been attacked... On a couple different occasions one of the times the dog was falsely labeled as a service animal the other times they were just pets that the handler decided to bring into Walmart but I realized a lot of time it's not even then your dog's fear I've, I've I realize now my service dog never really became scared of dogs however I did and because my dog is a very uh, connected dog, and he really feeds off of my emotions, mm-hmm. he did become really intensified, and he'd hone in and hyperfixate on dogs. Not because he was interested in them, and because he was scared of them, but because I was so terrified. All
2: of a sudden, because we're scared. Our dogs are picking them up as a danger. Right. At exactly. That,
1: at that point, it would be compromising your medical equipment. Yeah. Exactly. It'd be like having someone come up and kick your wheelchair and break it. Yeah. yeah.
2: And, and and that's not saying like like I said when we see uh it, this is when we see any dogs in public even another team but we just give other teams space. Yeah. Um, but we
0: understand that. We don't necessarily know they're a real service dog team. They have the same understanding with us. And it's kind of one of those things where we just rather not. Both of our dogs or, or animals are working. We need to stay working. We need to keep everybody focused. We just want to get things done. So we'll just kind of work around it.
1: Yeah. Now, I've seen a lot of service animals and service animal handlers tend to
0: flock together, though. We, yeah, we... It, I mean, Once birds it, of a feather flock together. Yeah. People with like minds or hobbies that are similar or just things about them that are similar to other people, it's nice to be around other people with those experiences and those mindsets because you're able to share those experiences and it's nice to have somebody that you can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a trust that builds with
2: yes. yes. Once we meet a handler and their dog, the anxiety goes away.
0: Completely. Like The, the
2: nerves go away. We can see that person in public and not get fearful. Yeah. Uh, But it also, when there's a group of you, it's almost easier to tell people to leave you alone. Sometimes
0: I think it's too easy. Um, Like, I know when I'm with just, like, one or two service dog handlers, things typically go pretty well. There was one experience, though, where I went to a meetup, and some of the handlers got, in my opinion... A little too vocal and a little too forceful about things with with the public. I mean, that's just my opinion, but it definitely does make it easier to just
2: stand up for yourself. yeah when you when you're not the
0: the lone wolf. yeah,
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. and but when you have two or three other handlers with you, they also they, they understand. Even if you don't share the same disabilities, they understand what being disabled is like. They understand having to take breaks throughout the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Our dogs enjoy being around other dogs that they trust. Yes. And you'll see them almost have a little more fun throughout the day. Yeah. You can take breaks outside of um, the public place and let them romp around and play a little bit. Yeah, right. Um, So they're not always,
0: always working. No, our our dogs
2: get playtime. Trust me, sometimes they, they too get much. to be dogs.
0: They get to be dogs. I know before at least before COVID-19 and the lockdown and quarantine, you know, I used to go to dog parks all the time and just let my dog like really just not work and go play with other dogs and there was there was one time I remember he wouldn't leave my side and I was actually getting kind of irritated that he wouldn't leave me alone and go be a dog and play with <laughs> other dogs. Yeah.
1: Right. Now there is a question um i found about having multiple dogs can people have multiple service dogs and can they have those both of them at the same time out in public
0: um so there's this thing called tandem teaming and it means when you have more than one service dog in the u.s you're allowed to do this but the service dogs have to do different tasks they have to have They have to mitigate different things. So if you have two dogs and they both only do blood sugar alerts, then you're only really supposed to have one of those dogs.
2: Unless you are training the successor. Yeah, unless
0: the other one is in current training or something like that. But if they're both fully trained and they're both doing the same task, it's not
2: allowed. For for instance, you may have somebody that is diabetic but also needs a mobility dog. Yes. And so they may have a mobility dog Mm -hmm. Um, with them so that they can brace and maybe it picks things up for them and then they'll have another dog with them that's a diabetic alert dog and that is completely legal and allowed Um, also if like in a few years when I get my next dog I will take my current one out in public mm-hmm. With my younger one Because dogs do learn from each other
0: Yes, I, I know, I'll be doing the same thing In fact, yes. I think we'll probably be doing that Around At the same, same time, time even <laughs> Our dogs okay. are the
2: same age
1: So We didn't mention this earlier But I wanted to cover it Hopefully I only got two, about two more questions For you guys But this one is What disabilities can service dogs help with?
2: Oh, there's there's a, there's
0: a nearly infinite list. Can you all give Um, some examples?
2: Of course, we can start out stereotypically and go, people who suffer from vision loss or they're blind, um, like people who are hard of hearing, veterans with PTSD, not saying that PTSD is only for veterans because there are people.
0: Um, Just, so, I'm, I'm pretty open with my disabilities, uh, I have CPTSD, I have uh, POTS, which is Postural or the tachycardia syndrome, and then I have a couple others.
1: And POTS is something to do with the heart. Right? Yeah,
0: uh, POTS messes with my heart. Yeah, when I go from standing up to laying down, too much exercise, it messes with my balance, my heart rate especially. Um, and it can lead into other things and it's manageable, but it's uh, I, I am disabled by it and my service dog does have some tasks that pertain to it where and those aren't visual so no, it's not something really no of course really go these, off visually. these are not something you can look at me and go oh this person clearly has this disability unfortunately it's not like i'm i'm blind and even a lot of blind people you can't always tell that they're blind
2: because yeah, not every blind person yeah. is one 100 the majority of blind people do not have Full vision loss. Yeah,
0: and a lot of times it's not cataracts where there's a graying or silvering of yeah. the eyes. A lot of times it's something just genetic, and you just yeah. can't see it. Something didn't form right, whatever it may be. Um, um. But basically, you know, we're not an amputee in a wheelchair. You can't see our leg is gone, therefore we're clearly disabled or whatever. Where
2: then, like, some it doesn't of doesn't work
0: like that. Like the
2: disability, because I have what's called a multi-purpose service dog. Yes, um, we both do. I have psychiatric. Disabilities, um, one of them being I am autistic, and I then there's a, a long list of others that I, I'm not super open about. Okay, um, that's fine. And then I also have some physical disabilities, which I also don't talk about. <laughs> but, um, but he tasks for both of those, or all of those. Um, I was trying to think of more. Because the question was, what disabilities can they help with? Yes. If we want to get into psychiatric, they can help with anxiety, autism. Um,
1: anxiety being something that a lot of people have anxiety, but... Or
2: feel anxious sometimes. Or feel
1: anxious or stressed, but this level of anxiety is debilitating. Yes. And keeps you from doing uh, things that are uh, er, abled... Body people could
2: do yes. Um, again, a disability being a condition that stops you from being able to perform all aspects of life.
1: You can have an ESA for anxiety, but that anxiety may not debilitate you completely from going to the grocery store. Yeah. Yes,
2: I'm talking more. Um, you'd have to have like very serious generalized anxiety disorder. Yeah, um, or
0: it's one thing that. I'm, I'm very open with people about this. If you have debilitating social anxiety, a service dog is not for you because it only draws more attention and more stress in social in social situations.
2: Yeah, um, I, I was gonna definitely wrap around to that because we were talking about all the disabilities that they can help with, and honestly, it's a ton that it's it's too there, many to list there
1: is a, a huge list on ada and again i'll uh, link the ada.gov and the service dog frequently asked questions all in the description below for, you, below for you guys
2: but what's different is that there are a there there are a select few disabilities that a service dog makes it worse a very large one of those being um, so social sensitive. anxiety or agoraphobia mm-hmm. um whereas, and
1: agoraphobia is not being able to leave the
2: house House. yes the fear of leaving the house but it can also have a lot to do with like people seeing you Yeah, Um, paranoia can make they can make it worse because you're when you have a service dog you're the focal point of people's attention in public
1: Mm -hmm. everyone's eyes are literally on you so yes would not help with paranoia but does help with a lot of other different things yes yes this is going to be our last question for now thank you guys so much um what rights do businesses have in regards
0: to s- service
2: animals? So businesses are allowed to ask us two questions. Um, and
0: the two questions are need to be worded a very specific, specific
2: way. way. Is that a service dog? And you answer yes or no. If you answer no, I don't know why you have your dog animal in public. Leave. Um, <laughs> Maybe they
1: don't know it's pet friendly or not. Uh, that but, could be a possibility. Okay.
2: But the other... The follow-up question is, what task is it trained to perform? Um, And they cannot ask you to prove this.
0: Yeah, they can't ask you, and this is, you know, sometimes where I like it, and I also don't like it. Um, But that's me as a handler, and each handler will have a different viewpoint on that. Yeah. (laughs) But um, they, they can ask what tasks it is, what the dog performs to mitigate your disabilities. Um, yes. The dog, so the dog, let's say you're diabetic, so you, clearly you could say he does blood sugar alerts or she does blood sugar alerts. Um, if you're a diabetic and you have a guide dog for for guiding, you know, a blind person or somebody with vision loss and you as a diabetic do not have vision loss, that service dog technically cannot be a service dog for you and it doesn't have public access rights with you and so you could be removed if they were able to prove that you had no vision loss etc etc yes but Um, and if you decide to not tell them what tasks you can be removed
2: yes you have Um, to
0: comply with these
2: and it i know that there's a lot of people who their answer to that will be, well, it's an, it's a medical alert dog. Mm-hmm. You have to say what it's alerting to. Exactly. Um, and if you don't, the business has full rights to remove you. Mm-hmm. Um, they also have the rights to remove you if your dog is posing a disruption to business. Yeah. Um, so,
0: And this is one thing where it can get really kind of wishy-washy mm-hmm. because not many, but some animals do have some kind of vocalization as alert, so a a bark to let's say a blood sugar alert your blood sugar is getting too high so your dog barks at you um this is one of those tasks that is only so reasonable because while yes the dog is performing a trained task the dog by barking is also causing a disruption to everyday flow and happening within the public
2: because the ada states that it, it never says that they cannot bark. It says they have to be under control
0: and not cause a disturbance to yes. public everyday function.
2: And so, some people will argue that as long as it's a one bark and the alert is done, that it's it's allowed. And others will say any barking at all, remove the dog. And so, there's a lot. There's quite a few gray areas. Uh, usually, a business will not. Remove you for a bark or two. Dogs get startled. They are dogs. Um, But they can remove you instantly, and in my opinion, should, if your animal um, uses the restroom in the store. Oh, yes. Um, Whether that, and trust me, it happens to the most well-trained dogs, but they need to go home. If they're having that much of an off day, they need to go home. Mm hmm So, using using the bathroom in a store, they can be removed for vocalizing uh, uncontrollably,
1: regression or or aggression
0: and uh, Mm -hmm. reactivity. Yes, well,
2: Uh, and if they are not your task trained service dog,
0: yeah, and they're not task trained for your disability.
2: Also, if the business is a place like a church. Like they a, a private business. A, a private business. They are not required to allow you. Um,
0: churches are also one of those things where it comes to the the division of religion and state, or yeah. church and state. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how exactly it works. But churches are one of those places that can legally deny you just because they don't want dogs. Some, some religions do have very strong oppositions to dogs or other animals. Whatever the reason may be. They just, are allowed to. Just know churches are one of those people and places that are allowed to deny you. Yes. And they do not have to have a legitimate reason. Uh,
1: very quickly, is there anything else you would like the public to know about handling service dogs or about how to approach you? Or?
2: I, w- I want to reiterate on something Avery said earlier. Talk, if you are going to talk to me and my dog as a team, talk with me. Talk mm-hmm. with the handler. Yes. Please, it is preferred if you just let us go on our let, let us go on our day. We just want to go home and binge on binge watch shows on Netflix.
0: <laughs> just just like you. Just like you. But we just
2: our medical equipment's fuzzy and cute.
0: And another thing leading off of that is you know if you do initiate a conversation with us and it happens to be about our service animal let's say for example you ask what their name is, don't. First off, don't ask what their name is because a lot of people's first instinct after they hear a name, whether you want to admit it or not, is to repeat the name and quote-unquote to just kind of test it out on your tongue. And a lot of that time it does distract the dog and the dog will look.
2: Yeah. So
0: it's just one of those things, you know, you can ask about the dog just Don't ask things that could potentially distract the dog, you know. Don't say the dog's name. Don't speak to the dog.
2: Don't get upset if the handler doesn't want to talk.
0: Yeah. I mean, Um, we have bad days. We have days where we just want to get our eggs.
2: Yeah. We definitely... And there
0: are disabilities that cause uh, nonverbal to happen. Um, There are.
2: Um, As somebody who goes um, nonverbal...
0: Parker and I are both on the spectrum and both go nonverbal. Yeah.
1: Thank you guys so much. Now we went over a lot of information and there are still plenty of questions, answers, and material out there about minority groups. And if you would like to learn more or maybe we didn't cover something, uh, please follow us on our social media. That's at theplanet100.7 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I think they also wanted to mention their Instagrams.
2: Uh, I'll just have her put mine in the description.
0: Both of our Instagrams will be in the description. If you have
2: any questions,
0: Ask, message, yeah whatever.
2: If you ask something online,
1: it's much easier for them to answer if you do go through their social media just because they're used to people asking them questions there. And yes.
0: as much as we don't like being asked things in public, we love educating people and helping people understand and learn more about service animals.
1: Thank you so much uh, for joining us on this week or this month's episode of Making Space. Until next time, folks, be safe out
0: there. This has been the Tarleton Radio Network podcast with production from AJ Heyer and Taylor Welch. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.